So this is supposed to be episode 22 of the Soccer Chat, but unfortunately episode 21 was a blatant fail on my part, and I managed to corrupt our recording that we did when you were out in Portland. So consequently, this is, I guess we're going to still call it episode 22 if somehow I'm able to recover episode 21 at some point. Um, so look out for that mysterious episode 21, the, uh, <laughs> the double week preview. Uh, send $17 in a prepaid envelope, and we will make sure you get a copy of episode 21. Soccer chat with two T's, because we're going to chat about soccer, but we're also in Chattanooga, so it's like a play on words, and you know, Chattanooga is a soccer city. All right, welcome to episode 22 of the Soccer Chat. I am Adam Bruce, joined as always by Alex Fordney. We are brought to you by Roughneck Scars and Golden Gold Press. Alex, uh, kind of a big uh, couple games during the week. Um, We'll start off going right into what I think everybody's most interested in, which was our game in Madison over the weekend, actually yesterday. What did you think of the game? (laughs) Is that really your response? You you weren't a fan? I was... Not very thrilled with the first, oh, 77 minutes, especially the first half. You could just tell that they were sluggish. I don't know if it's from the road or if there was some other condition, if they had some bad sushi on the bus ride over, but they were just very sluggish and you could tell they were not at all prepared to deal with Madison's high press. And I give Madison credit. They were, you know, they were very energetic coming after the ball, a lot of bad giveaways in the midfield and on the defense. So I, I think that that, that um, lack of energy was a carryover from the Orlando game, which we'll get into a little bit when we go over Orlando, but that's the second game in a row on the road that they looked sluggish. Um, the other part, though, that I do want to mention, though, and that is um, they weren't just playing Ford Madison. They were also playing uh, four players from uh, Minnesota, including, once again, we somehow managed to get the Minnesota backup keeper to be who we play against. So um, He had a couple really good saves that really held on to those held on to the tie for Madison. Oh, yeah. One at the very end with a shot from, um, forgive me, I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Cito Sayon. Well, there was, a, there was a pass that was tried to get to Cito, I think, from Yaya that he cut off. That if, if he had just got, if, if Yaya had just gotten a little higher, it would have gone over um, St. Pierre's, St. Pierre, right? Sinclair. Sinclair. Wow, I was way off. Um, yeah, it would have gotten over him. If it gotten over him, it was a wide open goal for for um, Cito. But yeah, um, I think I think it's a safe safe statement to say it was two different games. You had one game that went for the first seventy five minutes, and then the the final twenty minutes or so was a totally different, very much controlled by the Red Wolves. Um, but no, it was man, it was looking bad for a long time there. Should we bring up what was the catalyst in the seventieth minute that seemed to have changed the game around? Oh, I think we 100% need to bring that up. So that was, of course, when Vangel Zagura was substituted in, put on the left side of midfield. And the only thing sweeter than Vangel Zagura's left foot in Chattanooga is the delicious cakes and pies that are found at Charlie's Barbecue and Bakery on Main Street. Never Stop by Charlie's and uh, and pick up a pie. Tell them Alex and Adam sent you. Reminder, they're not a sponsor. They'll say, "Who, who are Alex and Adam? But you'll still get a delicious pie, so go ahead and do it. Yeah, so no. There's something that was brought up. There's like a um, kind of a group chat that a lot of the people that are part of the supporter group or also just you know casual fans of the Red Bulls get involved with during a away game if there's not a watch party, which there wasn't one for this game, partly because I think it's 8 o'clock start going into 10 o'clock. A lot of people have kids, and you know, honestly, partly just because it was just nobody took the time to organize it. Um, but... There is a group chat that a lot of people were involved in, and that was something multiple people brought up. They're like, huh, look how much the games change when the guy who legitimately can put a, a, his left foot into anybody else perfectly over and over and over again and now leads the league in assists comes onto the field, right? I mean, it was a noticeable change. The other thing that I noticed more than just his, his crosses is when they gave him space, which was they were doing to a lot of players, instead of just saying, oh, he gave me space, well, I'm still going to pass it into this passing lane that you're trying to cut off. He took the space, forced them to come at him, which opened up passing lanes. Like, right. It was like watching two different attitudes of one of, I'm going to take it to you, and the other one was more of that scared, 
well, I don't want to take a chance, so I'm going to keep passing it back or keep passing it sideways and not take any risk. Also, later, late in the game, as they were trying to seal off the tie, there was a play where he was chasing the ball back to the end line uh, defensively, and you're expecting, okay, maybe he can get the angle and spin this out for a throw-in. Otherwise, he's probably just going to bail out and we're going to defend a corner. No, he chased this ball all the way, managed to make a turn while the ball rolled along the end line, which is still in bounds, whole ball over the whole line, everyone, and then turned and kicked it off of a Madison player to win a goal kick. Oh, yeah. yeah it was... was a thing of beauty. No, I think, I think it's 100% safe to say that he totally changed the entire attitude of the game. Um, I think his substitute was significantly stronger of a – of a sub than bringing in Yaya. I think um, I think the point of Yaya was to try to create that changeup. You don't bring in a speed guy unless you're trying to do that, right? Sure. But I don't think the impact was what was expected until Hankinson got um, Zaguro back in there. Uh, still on the why the heck is Zaguro not starting watch. We haven't been able to figure that out. We've had all kinds of ideas. It, it couldn't have been because you're worried about yellow card accumulation because he just got one taken away for mm-hmm. good behavior, for lack of a better term. Um, I think that's well, actually what they call it. Too. I mean, it could go back there if you sneeze the wrong way, but that's a whole other topic we'll get to later. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, so obviously he had a massive impact, but he wasn't my man of the match. You know, I think the man of the match is a pretty easy decision on that, and I think that's Nicholas easily. You know, I, I think, he, you know, he gets the goal, but not just for the goal. His sliding save five minutes after the goal is basically the reason why we walked away with a point. Had a couple other good blocks. Um, I would give a shout-out to Alex Mangles, who had multiple saves, especially in the first half that kept that game from going to a 2-0, 3-0 hole that probably turns into a nightmare for the Red Wolves. But, uh, but yeah, I think I would agree with you that Nicholas Amponsa defensively and then coming forward, and that's another play that I noticed, Vangel Zagoro standing over a free kick about 40 yards, uh, 40 yards away from goal waved Nicholas Amponsa up, took the free kick, it went towards back post, it kind of bounced around, it became a corner kick, and Nicholas Amponsa was up there to be able to crash the back post and score his goal off of the assist. Yeah, I mean, just, yeah, overall, just really, really quality play from him. Quality play, really, even though we gave up 11 shots in the first half, they honestly... It wasn't because of the defense. Our, our midfield and forwards were just giving the ball away left and right. Right. And the defense really, really held up. Whether it was um, quality play coming from from Ampanza, or it was quality play that was coming from Tony Walls, there was a lot of closeouts, a lot of, of changes. There was a play I can't remember who it was that did it late, also late in the game where they ran the ball down and immediately kicked it out for the um, throw-in to keep from another corner. That just small plays like that that may not show up as anything other than just a ball kicked out on on a stat sheet that really did keep us in, in a situation where the game was where we wanted it to be and kept them from more risky situations. I mean, their goal did come off a corner, right? So yes. th- that's something that, honestly, if you look at the stats, crosses have been an issue uh, for this team. The balls coming across the box have been problematic for us. And so avoiding a, a, a set piece that has been practiced left and right by a team is something that we really have to do because we haven't shown – strength in handling that ball coming across the box and defending it well um there were you know some issues with the broadcast and the camera angle on the goal was not a great one. Oh my gosh but it's really it, and, and because of that it was kind of hard to tell if he just made a spectacular play that was turbo tobin for uh, madison that scored the goal if he got lost if someone was supposed to be tracking him and didn't or if he just kind of made the play and rose up to get that he sent it as far to the far post as he could of course it bounced off the far post and in you know you can't really fault alex mangles for not being able to get to that and i don't know that you even fault any of the defenders as far away from the goal as he was coming towards it on the on the corner kick i I, honestly man the 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 camera angle was was really really bad um, they kept losing their top camera, I think. I think that's right. and so that was during one of the times where fortunately they didn't lose both cameras because that happened throughout the night as well. Um, you know what's what's crazy is Minnesota, who loaned them a, a bunch of players for this, right? Uh, they had a similar issue with their broadcast of the uh, the the Open Cup game 
and they actually made a formal apology online about the poor quality of their broadcast. Uh, from what I understand, because I have a friend of mine that follows both Red Wolves and um, follows Atlanta United, theirs wasn't nearly as bad as this. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they like we went to technical difficulties during like periods where it was like, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? And you're just waiting. At least early on when it was going out, they the announcer still somehow got a feed. Which the announcers are out of Florida, so it wasn't like he's up in Madison announcing. So right. I was like, "Well, how's he getting a feed, and we're not? Like, isn't he getting the same feed?" And then later on, oh crap, he is getting the same feed now. All the cameras are out, and so we got that technical difficulties. And I kept, I would pull up Twitter and like refresh, like, "Did I miss a goal? Did I miss a goal?" Did yeah, a that goal? was a, a being terrified of it coming back and it saying two nothing Madison instead of two nothing Chattanooga, especially in that first half when we were on our oh. heels pretty much the entire half. Yeah. And that eleven to one number, it, 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 we on goal. It wasn't one. I think it was zero on goal. I think it was three to zero on goal. Yes. So like we may have gotten a shot off, but it wasn't even on goal. Like, and they got eleven shots off, but only three were on goal. So eleven sounds like a lot. Three doesn't. You know, there was basically they scored one of them. One of them was a. I feel like it was a missed kick that went to the bottom corner that the Mangles did a good job of, of cleaning up. I didn't have much power behind it. Yeah, uh, and, I noticed a couple of those. And then there was another one that he did a really good save to his right, which on the screen was our left, um, to his right that was bottom left corner of the goal that was a great save. So um, you're 100% right. Mangles is the reason we were still in that game, and I think Zaguro was the reason that we were able to, to get back, and we were darn close on multiple chances of walking away with a win there. Mm-hmm. I, I got one last thing I do want to bring up. Um, they had yet again another great crowd. Uh, one thing April and I were talking about, April's my wife, if you're not aware, she was asking, like, is this what the stadium in Chattanooga is going to be similar to? Is it going to be kind of a short stands on the sides and wrap around? I said, yeah, that's, that's the plan. She, she really liked it. She thought it was a really cool setup. I agree. Like, the setup there was really nice. Um, they were a lot quieter than I thought they would be. I don't know if it's partly because um, just where the mics may have been set up, that they were only picking up the supporter section or something like that. Um, but I, I wasn't as loud as I expected. One thing that the uh, they kept saying on the broadcast was that people don't really want to go and play there because of the, the atmosphere. Um, the stats don't really back up that mindset. I know anecdotally you would think largest crowds, um, loud crowds, that it would be somewhere you don't want to play. They have the ninth best record out of ten teams on at home, so I don't think that's what it is. But um, more, you know, to to their credit, they those. The stands were filled. It's a nice setup. It's a revamped classic stadium. Really cool things that they've done. Uh, the thing to me is through the entire league, nobody wants to go play anywhere but at home because you can look at the at the home records. They're all very similar. Now their record is three two and two, so it's not like a bad home record. Yeah. That they have, but it is not quite as good. They're you know Chattanooga, Toronto, North Texas, all three are still unbeaten at home. Uh, so you can see that Madison has a couple losses, but it's kind of a league-wide fact that everyone does a little bit worse on the road than they do at home. So, of course, people don't really want to go play there, but I don't know how much of that is the atmosphere and how much of it is just the fact that these are all really quality teams. I mean, I was a little cocky about the quality that we had signed in Chattanooga versus the rest of the league, and uh, and that's been proven wrong. They, they're, a lot of these sides have quality players, um, young, hungry guys that are out there playing hard, and so every game is a struggle, is a battle. Yeah, and I think the one thing I will say, when I looked at this, and um, the best place that I found to actually be able to see some of these is not the League One site. They don't really do a good breakdown of the home and away. Um, but we're second on home and eighth on away. So if we can just turn it around away, I think I mean, we still have enough of the season. If we play much better on the road the rest of the season, we could challenge for one of those top two spots. North Texas just lost to Toronto 3 um, nothing. While they're still leaps and bounds ahead of everybody, um, yeah, it's it's not like they've completely run away and hidden. The last few games, they've come back to earth a little bit. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I would mention that, yes, yes, most teams are better at home, and, yes, they do technically have a winning record, um, but they've only won three of their seven games. So... It's not like they're dominating such like North Texas is, who's had nine home games and have won eight. Right. right? So that that's where and that and the other thing that's funny about that is 
no one's going to sit here and argue that North Texas has the best home atmosphere, <laughs> right? No, I would agree. Yeah, Not so, even North Texas fans. Exactly. So that's kind of what I'm getting at is... I, All 10 of them. I give them credit for their atmosphere it, there in, in Madison. It looked like it'd be a fun place to watch a game. But it doesn't, af- it doesn't affect the field as much as people are trying to make it out to be. The fact is, there is a comfort level to playing in your own home. Um, there's an advantage to knowing the field dimensions because every field's slightly different. Knowing how well, the ball even the rolls. field type, I, it was hard for me to tell. I thought that Bree Stevens Field is grass, but it almost yeah. looked like turf in this one. Am, am I? I? I thought it, I, I thought the same thing. I was trying to figure out if it was turf or, or grass. If as it well. was grass, it was cut very short. And there again, that's you know they may have a reason why they want it that way that gives them a particular advantage. Yeah. I've heard Chattanooga Red Wolf players talk about. They don't love the turf that they play on right now at um, David Stanton Field on Chattanooga Christian School's campus, but they've learned how to play it, and they know that they know it, the bounces and things better than the teams that come in and they, and use it to their advantage. Exactly, and that's what I was getting at. I, I don't, I, I'm not disparaging having a good crowd. I am saying that there's more to the advantage of knowing your field. Like I gotta believe Lansing has an advantage of knowing the narrowness and knowing how to deal with the, and knowing where the god-awful patch of turf the, the longer the turf is yeah i tried to watch some of that game before ours and i was like man that is so bad like you could see the just ball looked like a tarp strewn over it, it. the ball didn't bounce well the ball didn't go through there well it was slower like but that's an advantage to them right they're gonna know how to like hey um we need to put our our guy that that's not quite as fast on the right side um <laughs> You know, things like that that just allows them some advantage. You're going to have the same advantage when you're um, when you're dealing with, you know, for Chattanooga. Like, we saw that where the ball on, I'm trying to remember who it was, what team it was, where the ball bounced over the keeper's head. That was the Tormented game. Yeah, you saw it there because he didn't know, oh, the ball bounces like a trampoline here. <laughs> and anyone who has watched a game or watched people warm up at a game here knows, yeah, it is. It's, it's hard as a... Rock. Right, and you look back at that play, and Stephen Beatty takes off because he knows this is going to be a large bounce, and I'm gonna, I might be able to get on the end of this. Exactly. All right, so let's that's that's kind of all I have for Madison. Let's turn our attention to the other game from the week. Um, another disappointing situation, but disappointing for I think a different reason. Um, like the disappointment in Madison is there's a lot of joy in taking a uh, a comeback victory, and we came close. The disappointment here is a dominating game. And you walk away with a, with a tie. That's it, it, two different games. Like they dominated the, the by far the first twenty five minutes of the game right. versus Orlando. Also, the second goal that was disallowed right after the first goal, I don't think he's offsides. I think it's another lovely USL League One refing ability. Um, and I, there was a third one that was in all of their offsides that was a, actually was offsides from what I could tell. Um, but once again. They didn't put it away. They had their opportunities, multiple opportunities, and didn't put it away. And one little instance of falling asleep, and they got punished for it. And defensively, man, Alex didn't didn't seem super happy about it. Like he he's usually pretty an- animated on the field, right? But holy junk, he was mad. Like he it, it was it wasn't just one player either. It was like three, four, maybe even five guys that he just kind of ran past. And then to his credit. It's a really nice shot. It was. Like, top left corner, across the goal. Across his body. Yeah, across his body with a curve to it. Like, it, it was it was from right to left with a left to right curve to the top corner across his body. Like, that's not an easy shot to take. No. Especially after running through four or five players. So, all, all credit to him for what he accomplished. That said, there was enough situation there where you're close enough to the penalty box, but you're not in it, that it's going to be a bad free kick for them, that someone should have taken a yellow as he's running past them. That's part of the game. Especially in stoppage time, we're trying to seal this thing off and steal three points on the road. Yeah. Against the team with the 10th worst road record, <laughs> also, home record. Also known as the worst home record. And that's our second tie for with them in Orlando. Yes. And so that's, that's points given away. And as far as I'm concerned, that's four points given away. But at worst, it's at least two points given away. That... We have those two points, and we are sitting right now in second place. Um, granted, with the other second place team having a game in hand on us, but let's not focus on that. But easily, we could be right in a much more quality position. Now, technically, Lansing's in third. This is why I mentioned that. What I did, they've got a, they've got two more games on us, um, and I think they'll be at three more games because I think they play next weekend and we yes. don't. So, I, 
you can't really look at the standings and, and not look at points per game. I think that's a much better way to look at it when you're dealing with a 10-team league and you have as much as three to four game difference between how much people have played. Ira Jersey of League One Fun occasionally will put out a points per game table that I think gives a pretty good snapshot of where people are adjusting for the fact that everyone has played an odd number of games. And All right, so I, I, I told you beforehand I wanted to talk about this a little more, and I've brought it up multiple times how frustrating I am with the schedule, but I still can't figure out how a 10-team league has this much disparity in how many games have been played. Now, granted... For a little bit there, there was there's there's some rain outs, right, or lightning outs, right. right? So that maybe one or two, but there hasn't been four lightning outs difference for teams. Like, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Why is there? Why are we playing back to back setups of three games in eight days with a break in between of thirteen days with no game? No, it didn't make a lot of sense. And actually, when the original schedule came out, they were going to be playing North Texas this Wednesday. It would have been four games in 11 days. So they managed to get that switched. It's going to be now on August 3rd. So they have this long break. They're going to play Tucson at home on the 27th at Lansing that Wednesday. Hey, thanks. We get to play a game. And then we've got to turn around and get on a plane and go play again a couple days later. And then they're going to come home that Saturday and play North Texas. Oh, that's a peach to come home to. Jeez. So, and you look at the you know the stadiums. There, there's not a lot of sharing going on now. I you know I make a lot of jokes about Lansing playing in the baseball stadium, Capital Combustion. We love you guys. But that's the only place where there may have been a oh these guys had a homestand scheduled and we've got to try to move something around. I can't believe that that one. That one stadium share that may have caused some issues scheduling-wise blew up the entire 10-team schedule. So North Texas shares with Dallas. There again, they've had some where they've you know turned that game into a doubleheader right. with Dallas playing at home. That's so I don't think that's much of an impediment. Yeah, and I think that's legitimately the only other one. The Toronto plays at the training ground for Toronto, too. They don't play inside the, their stadium, the BMO field. Yeah, and I know that Madison... They tried to push it a little bit. They were, I think, a little bit behind on getting the, the stadium ready, right. which we may see with Chattanooga next year as we're, we're going to have a front-loaded away schedule because they still seem to think they're going to get into the new stadium that hasn't begun being built yet, um, and it's July, and the season's, preseason starts in February. So, I mean, we're seven months out, and ground hasn't really been broken. <laughs> um, and we'll get into that here in a second, too, because I do want to discuss, you know, how important is it that we're at there? But yeah, I, it doesn't make sense to me. I think I feel like I get they're they're trying to do like a midweek game, which also I don't really understand the point. Like just play them every weekend. Like make that just every weekend. You know, on a Saturday there's going to be a game for our team. That's a thing for me. Going from League One all the way up to MLS, that is kind of frustrating because you see the same thing in MLS. A lot of midweek games. You know, there's there are some places that share in some situations they, they share with football teams. So there's a little bit at the beginning and the end of the season where there might be a, time, a bit of conflict, but not a ton. You just have to deal with the fact that there might be some football lines across the field. Yeah. But the, to have it on that kind of schedule, the premier league has, you know, kind of a featured game on Friday games all day, Saturday, some games on Sunday, a featured game on Monday and their prime time. And it feels like if soccer would get itself that way, there's a lot more casual fans that might tune in because they know when it's going to happen as opposed to, oh, the Timbers played on Wednesday and they're not going to play again for three weeks and then they're going to play four games in a week. So this is something that, honestly, I'm going to go slightly off soccer here, but this is something they talked about on the NFL, right? So it used to be in the NFL, you had games on Sunday and you had Monday night football and they added Sunday night football. Right. Well, since they've added the Thursday game, they've also occasionally have a Saturday games now. People are starting to say that Monday night and Sunday night have lost their appeal. And if you look at the the um, the numbers, unless they have marquee teams there, the numbers have shown that as well. And I remember reading an article. I think, and I, I'm, pro- I'm probably wrong on who it was. So I'm not going to say who I thought it was, but I remember reading an article um, that was out there that talked about fatigue, game fatigue. If every night there's a game. For a sport that you're used to there being a special day, like it's Sunday, I'm going to sit down and watch my 1 o'clock game, my 4 o'clock game, 
and then for the last 20 some odd years, my Sunday night football game, right? And then the next night, I'm going to have one more game to kind of as my topper. Right. Well, now it's okay. Oh, there was two games on Thursday? Well, okay. And one of them's on a channel I can't get? Cool. And then there's three games on Sunday and a game on Monday. Like, And don't forget about Tuesday night Maction. <laughs> what? The MAC conference, oh, Toledo, right. Bowling Green, right. and all that well, they play well, on Tuesdays. They called it Maction. Oh, I did not know that. That's excellent. Well, the, even <laughs> then, like, like there's a Friday night Pac-12 game now. Right. Um, there's all all college football on Saturday. Like, so honestly, football's done that, right? They've started to spread it out, and it hasn't worked. I think like they expected it to, and maybe because people argue that MLS and in in turn USL copying MLS because it worked for MLS, right? It may learn from that and pull it back. I would love it if they did. Right. I would love to know, like, hey, there's going to be a game on this day. Like, so once again, I'm going to pull up my Arsenal card here. As an Arsenal fan for years. Wait, yeah. you're an Arsenal fan? Yeah, exactly. I never knew that. As an Arsenal fan for years, I knew my game was on Saturday. <laughs> the last couple of years, it's been a freaking most annoying thing on earth. It's like, oh, crap, when's our game? Is it on Fridays? Is it, are we by some miracle on a Saturday? Oh, no, of course not. We're Sunday at 930. That's excellent, because I'm never going to be able to get that pulled off. It's because you guys always qualify for the European NIT. Oh, man. Not always, just recently. Like, <laughs> uh, I, Yeah, it's just it's ugly, and it's it's frustrating. And that, that's something that, for years, I was able to, to consistently be like, all right, I'm either going to be at 730 or 10, and I'm going to know when my game is on Saturday. And then the last couple of years, it hasn't been that way. And honestly, I've watched less games partly because, oh, I didn't know we were going to be on Saturday. I was fully expecting it to be a Sunday game. And then I accidentally catch the score, and it was a you know one nothing game. I caught the score. I'm like, well, I already know what happens. Now, if it was like a three two thriller, and there's some sort of like amazing ending thing, I might fast forward to the ending. But right. it's one of those things. I can't watch a low scoring sport such as soccer or even you know hockey for that matter and know the score <laughs> because you're just sitting there going, okay, well, when's it going to happen? And then like if it's a one nothing game and the score happens in the thirteenth minute, I'm just turning it off. Okay, right. I already know what happened. Oh, the game's really <laughs> over. Um, so yeah, that that was the same thing here. Like, I didn't know there were games on Friday for the USL League One until I saw a score. I was like, oh wait, they played on Friday, and then there was a Tuesday game this week, and our game on Wednesday, right. and there was a game Friday, and the game Saturday, and there was a Sunday game last week. So it's just like, why are they playing them all over the place? You've got ten teams. There's five. There should be five games a weekend, and hold them all on Saturday. Maybe have one on Sunday as a premier game. Right. Maybe. But even that, I'm a little bit skeptical. You maybe even put one in the early afternoon, start another one, you know, around seven eight o'clock, and start another one late. I'll tell you what, it was nice being able to watch the first half of a couple different games. Now, sure, I started with the Richmond game. Uh, Thirteen minutes in, I said, "Okay, well, it's two nothing," and that's what I expected to have happen there. So I'm going to switch over. Switched over to the Lansing game. Watched a really really bad call um, against Tucson on where they called a penalty that. Was not a penalty, but it went towards um, Lansing's way. So, you know, the announcer's all for it. Doesn't even point out the fact that it looked like he may not have even touched him. Um, like, it was one of those where the guy, like, bit the back up with the hands and no, 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 no. I barely touched him. That's uh-huh. not a penalty. He called the penalty on him. They scored the penalty. Yeah, I watched that. Watched the, the really similar thing that happened to us when we played versus Orlando. Their their player just kind of runs right through all their defense and then nutmegs um, their, their keeper <laughs> for the goal. Um, but it was – I watched it for 45 minutes, and then it went to halftime, and I switched it over to our game and waited for it to start up. And was like that was kind of a nice setup. So, yeah, do that. Tear them up, right? You've already got two central time zone teams, right? right? You've got a throwaway team in Toronto that no one's probably watching that game outside the away team anyways. So you can tear those up pretty easily with just sure. those three teams alone to get later evening games. Um You've got in Orlando, an afternoon game in Orlando would be scorching, and Tucson would be scorching, so you probably try to avoid the afternoon game there at 4 sure. o'clock. But, you know, Greenville and Chattanooga and, and maybe to a point states where we, 4 o'clock in the afternoon is not that much different than 7. It's hot and it's humid. Like, <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing that's fun when you're down here in the south is that when it's hot, it's hot, and it stays hot, and it doesn't stop getting hot until sometime in the late October. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so... It, <laughs> It, it, it is what it is. So here's the other thing I have before we continue too much and I continue to ramble here, but I was talking about this, and I want your opinion on this. The away team is who's watching the broadcast, right? It's right. the away fans. 
why, if they do all of their announcing in Florida, why are they not having the same announcer and have him be the homer announcer for the away team for those games? Like, wouldn't that make more sense? And then maybe he might know how to, how to announce some of our players' names. And then you might have consistency where you're like, oh, you know this guy, you know his 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 tenor during games and he, how he gets into it. Mm-hmm. That, to me, would be more interesting. Here again, I don't feel like it's too hard for an intern in the USL offices to put together the entire roster of every team in the league with their name spelled out phonetically so that they can do this fun little trick on TV where if you don't know how to pronounce someone's name, you can look at a sheet that has it phonetically and pronounce it phonetically. Right, but what do you think about that, though? Having Because you can tell there's a spin to the home team on those broadcasts. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting idea. It's possible, you know, some people who, for whatever reason, aren't able to get to the stadium on a particular day, like, say, with me, I was trapped on a plane for about nine hours uh, when they were playing Orlando. So even had that been a home match, I wouldn't have been able to watch it if ESPN Plus ever shows the Lansing game that I missed because I was uh, on the West Coast and wasn't able to, to see that game. You know, there would be opportunities for me to watch, and I'm watching my home broadcast, I guess. I don't know. It, it does It does feel like some... I feel like the guy for, that does these Chattanooga games does a pretty good job of being balanced. He's not overly pro-Chattanooga, and he's not overly against Chattanooga, um, which is fine. I mean, really, for me, a lot of the, uh, the announcing is just kind of background noise. I don't pay that close of attention to it most yeah. times. Even even watching on the larger levels. I mean, about the only people that I really enjoy listening to are guys that do the Braves calls. That's about it for me. Yeah, I, I get that. I just I guess it's for me. It's just it was just kind of one of those thoughts. I was like, wait, why is it always? Because it was just kind of one of those like, shouldn't the people that are caring about your hometown team be at the games? Like even like the um, the Lansing game. I when I turned it to that before it started. Mm-hmm. They had, like, a commercial that was for, like, local Lansing news. Yeah, they do the same in Richmond games. Yeah, and I was like, why am I seeing local Lansing news commercials? Like, shouldn't all the people that would see this be at the game there in the minor league baseball stadium? Which, by the way, they said they had 4,000 fans for. Um, I know I get frustrated when people do this, but either they can't count or those really are the worst seats in the world. Yeah, so they're all sitting way back behind home plate, so they might as well be watching it on ESPN Plus because they're nowhere near the field. Okay. Yeah, because like, and the people that are fans of that team were saying it was a great crowd, and it was a Vuvuzela night. Um, they give out a thousand of those. Um, in our, oh, Chattanooga it, Red Bulls front office. There's an idea. Yeah. Uh, so that that Vuvuzelas are being used by the alphas already. And people complain about, like, the five or six that are at those games. I couldn't imagine a thousand of them. Like, that would be so loud um, and annoying. But, yeah, I personally have a very annoying uh, whistle thing that I use that sounds like the birth of a calf. It's such a loud, high-pitched noise that I've heard a number of times when I've watched replays. I'm like, ooh, I really should stop using that whistle. Then the very next game, I've got it out again. So, (laughs) it is what it is. Um, So, yeah, all that to say, I think I think it's safe to say this first year there's a lot of area for growth when it comes to those broadcasts. Obviously, get your cameras right before a game, Madison. That's really annoying that to, to not be able to see parts of the field. Um, they Even when they had their top camera working, there was a part where like the camera couldn't... Couldn't can't. get down on the near sideline. Yeah. The same sort of thing happens with Orlando because of... You know, they're playing in kind of a small high school type stadium as well that doesn't have tall bleachers. They're not able to really get to the corners. Yeah, and it's it reminded me, and I said this, I said this again when I was watching the game. I was like, this is like when I used to go to Finley to watch CFC games, and I sat on the left side of the bleachers, and if the ball went to the right, the corner on the opposite side, you couldn't see it, and then all of a sudden you see the ball come out, and you're like, oh, he's crossing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it wasn't that bad. I mean, it was. It, you could sit in other areas and see the whole field from there. I'm not saying sure. you can't, but certain areas that I would choose to sit, so I wanted to be a little bit closer. The closer you are to the field, when there's concrete bleachers, cuts off. You sit up higher, you don't have yeah. that. That's why you see a lot of people choose, even when there's seats in front of them, to sit up higher so they can see the whole field. Um, but yeah, if your camera can't get there, you need to have an angle prepared to show it with a different camera, is my opinion. But, right. 
have you heard anything about the fact that uh, it looks like USL might be looking to go to a different provider than ESPN Plus? Have you seen any of that information out there? I have not heard that. That I find a little distressing. I like the ESPN Plus platform and the ease with which I can get to it. Yeah. I, I'm not, I hope that it doesn't go that way. The, the, some of the areas that they that I've heard are really scary, like Flow Sports, which is where the um, Cincinnati FC games ended up this year. And it was, uh, to say the very least, not a happy situation. I think it's like 30 bucks a month for them as well. Um, another lovely, like, disapp- disappointing thing to hear is, like, the paid part of either MyCujo or YouTube. Uh-huh. Also, not, in my opinion, great selections. Not good because the app is excellent for ESPN+. Plus. I can get to anything except for red-carded replays um, anytime that I want to. And it's just kind of one of those things where I've gotten used to it, right? Um, even when I was watching, like, YouTube feeds for CFC games for away games, um, I didn't care much for the setup. It was just – it was grainy. It wasn't the highest quality. Um, and I don't know if part of that's the quality of the cameras they're using, but – from what I understand, it's not. It has more to do with how compressed the feed actually has to be for those. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, I really hope that doesn't come to fruition. I just The other thing to me is there's already all of the stuff that I want to go to ESPN to watch, to see the Italian League games, the other kind of the league games, the, the Open Cup, the Copa America, MLS. I'm already there. Don't don't make me have to go looking for another thing. Yeah. It's, it's already part of something that I'm regularly going to to watch soccer. Yeah, exactly. So that's one of the rumors out there. that it, I do know that their contract is up, at least for championship. And i got to believe anywhere championship goes, they're going to pull League 1 with it. Right. Um, now, that said, League 2 is just kind of a, wherever the team ends up putting it. So that, like, some of the Dalton games have been on YouTube. Some have been on, on the MyCujo. Um, I haven't seen any Park City games, but I haven't really looked. Uh, mainly because Dalton's got a few players that are local that I'm interested in, right? It's got right. a few former CFC guys. It's got the National Gatorade Player of the Year and Hernandez on it, so I want to watch some of those games when I have got a chance. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't think they can make the playoffs, so their last game versus Discoveries is coming up. Uh, but, you know, those are the type of things that I kind of get at. I look at it and say, okay, what? how could this? How could they mess it up? And they mess it up by taking it out of ESPN. So hopefully it's just one of those uh, we're willing to go somewhere else maneuvers and not a – because from what I understand, I think they pay to have their content on there. And so maybe they're hoping that by saying that, they'll have enough people out there saying, we like having it on ESPN, yada, 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 that maybe ESPN won't make them pay for it. <laughs> right. Well, and, here's two people. Yeah. So <laughs> anyways. Now, if I remember correctly, you said you had something you wanted to talk about that had to be more specifically around uh, the social media world. Is that right? I was looking through Twitter, which, you know, is always your first red flag. <laughs> and... Someone had reached out to Soccer Chat with a change.org petition. Their uh, title is Lower Division Soccer Fan. I feel like they probably should have just gone ahead and called themselves Butthurt Lansing Fan, because that's most likely what they are. And the petition is asking USL to have better referees. So... You and I have been unsparing in our criticism of the way games have been refereed in League One. How do you feel about the change petition for USL League One to get better referees? All right, so the first thing I will say is, while I would love for them to have better referees, I would like to know where they're coming from, right? I mean, I think it's more of an indictment on the fact that if you look, we get our referees from a pool that's provided by the U.S. Soccer Federation. U.S. Soccer is who provides the pool of, of refs for them to select from. In fact, there was a, a tweet that was discussed. I actually believe it was by um, one of the owners of a NPSL lower division team that is uh, very active in anti-U.S. Um, soccer, who talks about not being sanctioned, whether it be by USF or the United States um, Amateur Soccer Association. You can't even get to that pool, right? Mm-hmm. So these are supposed to be a pool of who are the real quality refs, right? I think it's more of an indictment on U.S. soccer to say, hey, how about you start training these guys better? We start getting quality training. I don't think a change.org petition does anything. So that's my my thing. It's not as though there is a pool of referees who are sitting at home waiting for a phone call 
or who are being told, hey, we want you to work this professional League One game, and they're saying, oh, no, that doesn't pay enough. I'm not going to work that game. The better referees that are not getting assigned to League One games are getting assigned to USL Championship and MLS games. And all it takes is about 10 minutes of listening to MLS Extra Time Radio or some other MLS podcast. They don't like those referees either. Yeah, I think, I think it's just a matter of there's, there's not a good pool. There's just not good referees. Hey, do you, do you remember how nobody talked at all about how bad the refereeing was in the Women's World Cup? I mean, they just, everyone was nothing but complimentary about all of those referees out there. Yeah, so yes, referees are always going to get ripped just, on. That's just life. People rip on referees. It doesn't yeah. even matter what sport it is. Right. I will say, though, they are really bad. Like, I get where they're coming from, and especially the Lansing guys. So they've had two games in a row where, honestly, I don't know if it's two in a row or two out of three because I'm counting our game. I think they, they played the midweek game um, versus Madison. So I don't know if anything happened in that one. But our game, they had an offsides goal that the guy was a good two to three yards onside. I didn't realize this at the time. Um, the ball came off of Mangles and went to his feet. And went, if you watch the replay, the ball actually goes past one of our players before it gets to the guy's feet that they called offsides. So, yes, that was an ugly bad call. Apparently, there was also a really bad call that gave Tucson a penalty. Their coach went off, I'm sure he's awaiting his fine, on the refs and how terrible they were. He also managed to refer to himself as uh, their team as the smallest market. Someone should tell him how small Statesboro, Georgia is. <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, they are, and he's right, they're, they are very small compared to, I didn't realize that Lansing was, like, almost half the size of Chattanooga. Wow. Um, yeah, it's like, it's just over 100,000 fans. Chattanooga's 180 or something like that. So, it's close to half the size. Like, it's it's pretty small. Um, Statesboro's 30,000. So, mm-hmm. they're still three to four times the size of Statesboro. So, but that was the only thing in, in his rant that I went, yeah, you're probably wrong. Like he goes off. He talks about how you know it's unacceptable. They need to improve this. You know, you know. You asked me what I thought of, of the game. I thought that we played a great game and that we got screwed. Like he just, yeah. There's no way you watch that and don't think a fine's coming for him. But no, change.org um, petitions are stupid. Like they don't really accomplish anything other than trying to appease people and keep them from writing letters. So, I agree that there have been. Some cagey things. I I was very amused in this Madison game that she missed about 20 fouls going both directions. But by God, everyone took a throw-in from the right spot. If anyone took two steps forward on a throw-in, she was blowing that whistle and waving them back. That said, every time she did it to Tony Walls, he would move back and then like slowly work his way back to where he was. So there's a lot of that that's pretty bad. And the one thing that I would tell people to chill out on as we talk about the quality of the League One broadcasts that go out, um, I spent some time as a referee, refereed youth games, refereed some middle school, high school games. Um, I also was not good. Just ask any of the coaches who were out there on the field when I was refereeing. They'll tell you. Or any of his friends that saw him referee. So, (laughs) friends. Anyway, there is kind of an optical illusion Even on a field that has football lines that you see lines coming across, if the camera is set up at the 50-yard line and you're looking at the 20-yard line, there is an optical illusion that you think a guy is even along that line. If that camera was shooting straight down the 20-yard line, you might see it completely differently. They talk a lot about the ball over the line and making sure that as a linesman you're dead on the sideline so that you can fairly judge whether or not that whole ball has gone over the whole line. Yeah. You look at, you watch the Wimbledon replays and they challenge whether or not the ball was in or out, the same kind of thing. You see a ball that looks like it bounced right on the line of the tennis court and then they show the replay and you can see daylight between where the ball hit and the line on those reviews. Just because you have a still shot from a 45 degree angle that looks like oh this guy's even with this guy here this is a terrible call i just don't know what the linesman is seeing i think the best soccer analogy to that is the when you watch like a premier league game and they do the goal line review 
Yes, exactly. There again, whether or not the ball went over the line into the goal and they've got the straight up and down yeah. that yeah. tells you whether or not it's in. There's a number of times where I've watched it like, yes, that's obviously in the goal, and I watch it like it's not even halfway in. Right. And it has to be 100% all the way in. It's the same sort of thing. Like, it's not just a little bit in. So you, you just got to chill out with those kind of things because I know it seems pretty obvious when you actually get to that right perspective. Now, I agree with you. The biggest problem with the referee pool in America is that their training basically takes a bunch of teenagers, scares the hell out of them, tries to train them as if they're going to be working a World Cup final instead of this is how you need to manage an under-eight youth soccer game. And then they get out there for one day. Every single adult that's on the field is a complete and total dick to them the entire afternoon they're out there working. And then they quit instead of sticking with it getting themselves through the system, being experienced, so that when their soccer playing career is over, they're in good shape, they want to continue with the game, they have a lot of experience refereeing, and then you're going to get a good referee who isn't just going to start slinging yellow cards every time someone hollers at them or gets upset or they see a tackle that, you know, they're afraid things are going to get charged up. One thing I would like to, and I think we can do this at some point, I would like to ask a couple of the players that have been playing overseas in some of the lower levels how they compare the refereeing. Like, like when you – and we don't have to call them by name, right? We can just say, hey, we'd like, we're getting kind of a, an idea, right? And then we come back and say, hey, here's what we're hearing. Because I'm wondering if it's really that much worse than playing in, you know, Ireland in, one of, in, in their division or playing in – you know, Albania and playing in one of those divisions. Like, playing in the French Second League. or Yeah, exactly. Because a lot of these guys have played, you know, they've played in Jamaica, they've played in Ireland, they've played in Albania, they've played all over the world, a lot of the Red Bulls players. Mm-hmm. I would like to know, like, how do you compare it? Right? Because I watched Stephen Beattie on the field. He looks like he's at a constant state of just, he, he doesn't even seem pissed. He just seems amused at this point by how bad it is. <laughs> like, he literally, like, threw his hand, like, whatever. And, like, he got a yellow card and just laughed and walked away. I've never seen a player laugh at a bad yellow card like that. So I, I would like somehow to... that got him a yellow card, but the Madison player punching the ball out of a Chattanooga player's hand in frustration yeah. at the referee's call—that just got a talking to. Yeah, or or the fact the elbow slash slap in the face earlier in the game just got right. a stern talking. Somehow to. neither the assistant yeah. referee on that side or the referee saw that. Yeah, yeah, that's that was a stern talking to. But the so I agree. There's lots of inconsistencies. They're not they're not great, but yeah. but no, the change.org thing and it's obviously it's it's an account I looked at. It. It's an account that was created in July. Like it's a new account. It's for the purpose of no one getting it back to them and. Honestly, I've created those burner accounts to screw with people before, and then you delete them because it's fun to mess with people. And I think that's where it really came from. I believe maybe it's the referee from I, last night's game. I, I believe. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, I think is it Stephen Hernandez who is the Tucson-based yes. podcaster. He I think called it out on Twitter. He actually said to him like like something about like the Lansing fans seem upset, um, which was pretty <laughs> funny. But no, I I get where they're coming from, but it's a bad it's a bad theory like if you want to fix it you need to wait about 20 years and really change the way it is there was also a meme i saw out there it was like the thought bubble from a referee at like an under eight game and it's like like i hate that my mom forced me to get this for my resume my college resume or something like that yeah it's just it's it's just bad and i'm going to continue to complain about it because that's what i do right i i talk on a microphone for people to listen to me complain like that's that's part of what podcasting and, and broadcasting in general is is people pointing out things that frustrate them talking about it, or pointing out things they think are awesome and talking about it um so oh is that what we do here yeah last thing talking about things that are awesome and, I, and this is because you have two games in one week can we talk a little bit about that goal by by Sione? like how first off was that on purpose are we 100% sure yes all right and if it is how is that not goal of the week The only thing that is going to be difficult is um, Lansing forward uh, pulling that bicycle kick. Oh, yeah. That's that's a heck of a goal. That's going to be a tight race. But I feel like the control that he had to bring it down and then put it on that arc into that far corner, and that was a play that he made. He had another one where he was able to pull that ball out of the air and pull it towards the goal. And the keeper for forward Madison made a great save that would have won the game. Yeah. Um, and would have probably got him man of the man of the week. 
Yeah. <laughs> he had been able to pull that off. Yeah, and we know we didn't even mention that Lansing and Madison game. Um, have you ever seen three goals scored in four minutes in extra time like that? I can't think. No, I, I can't mean, think of a time where that happened. And, and all of them were really good goals. Yeah. And um, I think my favorite part, and this might be just because I, I do enjoy Madison losing, but my favorite part was the the score goal scorer for Madison goes and wipes his face with the Lansing flag, which corner flag, corner flag, which obviously was just shade over shade on top of the team, right? Sure. And I wasn't a huge fan of that, but I love the fact that in, that ninety seconds later he's getting to walk away with zero points and the other team wins. That made me more happy than anything. I think. What I will tell you, what's exciting about that back and forth and. The st- you know the Lansing player taking the shirt off when he thought he had scored the game winner, and then <laughs> the scored. dabbing the brow when he scores the goal, thinking that he's stolen a couple points away from Lansing uh, to get a draw on the road. That's that's what's going to build these rivalries that people keep trying to manufacture. Yeah, like that's the memory to me. I feel like the tight games we played against Greenville and the Greenville players slinging Tony Walls through the sideboard. Yeah. Which, again, only a yellow to me, it felt a lot like a red because that was completely on purpose. Yeah. You know, those sorts of things are going to – the players are going to remember that when they play each other again, if they happen to face each other in the playoffs or when they play each other next season. The punch or headbutt to Stephen Beattie, whichever one that was. Sure. Those are things that are going to create these rivalries that are going to get fans juiced up. Oh, they're coming to town this time? Oh, we're gonna drive to Greenville, and we're gonna we're gonna make sure that they hear us just as loud as the you know the Reedy River riots giving our player a hard time. Yeah, that's what's gonna really build those rivalries, and I think it's naturally set up for that. And that Lansing is closest to Madison's gonna be able to travel. They'll be able to travel back and forth and have pretty good atmospheres in those games, even with traveling fans. Yeah, and the other thing I'll say when we talk about fans, at the end of the game when we've been standing there on the in the alpha section and giving their goalkeeper a hard time. Multiple times when the game is over, that goalkeeper has turned around and given like a hot like yeah a we clap, get a tip of the cap a, a tip a of the clap cap. from him yeah basically saying thanks for bringing it right right and I think that's something else to think about like when everyone's talking about this great atmosphere in these other places, the players enjoy playing in a rough atmosphere like it oh, makes yeah. it more fun for them so anyways. You got anything else you want to cover? We actually talked a lot more than I thought we would. There's no game to preview. I know. I didn't bring a drink in here, and I'm very thirsty. Yeah. So that's all we've got today. I want to get, once again thank our sponsors. Golden Gold Press, the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items for yourself or your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com. And also thanks to Roughneck Scars, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and U.S. Soccer. Get custom scars for your group or team at roughneckscars.com. All right, guys. Thanks again for listening to us ramble about whatever we're rambling about. Um, we're going to get this out as soon as we can. Um, expect it on Tuesday at the latest. That is our, our plan is to have it out Tuesday mornings for you. It's on me that it hasn't been. And once again, Completely on me there was one last week because we did record. I just managed to ruin the file. If you're listening to this and it just came out on Wednesday, your next episode is free. <laughs> no, no, no. We need that We need that episode, man. That's, that's, that's the only way your man ends getting that. That three, four cents. All right, guys. Have a good one. Bye.